Welcome to ICANN, a podcast about ophthalmology through a uniquely Canadian lens with Dr. Cedare Ziai and myself, Dr. Guillermo Rocha. The ICANN podcast has been made possible by support from MD Financial Management and Scotiabank, proud financial partners of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society and Canada's ophthalmologists. We'll share our experiences as ophthalmologists today and tackle some of the challenges we face as healthcare providers. Are you ready, Cedare? Let's do it, Guillermo. Let's do it, Cedare. On this episode of ICANN, we are joined by Dr. Cecilia Lee, Chlorfine Family Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and Director of Clinical Research at the University of Washington in Seattle. Dr. Lee's research focus includes bioinformatics, deep learning, and clinical epidemiology. Recent published work includes clinical outcomes research in age-related macular degeneration and diabetic retinopathy. In her new paper published in JAMA Internal Medicine, Dr. Lee and her colleagues report exciting findings related to the association between cataract surgery and dementia risk. That will be the focus of today's conversation. Welcome to the ICANN podcast, Dr. Lee. Hello, thank you. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the invitation and then having me in the podcast. Dr. Lee, uh, it's been amazing when we saw the title of your article and it's been sort of uh, uh, popping up in different media and different uh, feeds. Uh, you report very exciting findings related to the association between cataract surgery and dementia risk in your study. What prompted you to research this and what is the background of this study? We have certainly felt certain things when we see our patients, but, but you now kind of uh, fundamentally establish this association. So what can you tell us about it? Um, thank you. So um, I think it um, goes back to um, our, um, our lab's research that focuses on the big data um, and clinical epidemiology. And nowadays, um, uh, because we have, um, we are bombarded by large um, set of medical data such as electronic medical records and retina imaging. It's it has become much easier to really um, study different specialties and making novel connections between the eye and something else such as the brain. And so uh, we were. Um, I was fortunate to be involved in the study called Adult Ages in Thoughts. Um, study or act study in collaboration with Paul Crane at University of Washington and Eric Larson at Kaiser Permanente of Washington. And they had an exciting study going on since 1994. And then that's where we were able to really ask, you know, can we take advantage of this uh, big data set, uh, an amazing data set um, to see whether there's any connection between the aging eyes and the aging brain? Our first study was really focused on um, looking at the basic questions, such as is there an association between age-related macular degeneration, diabetes retinopathy, and glaucoma with the development of Alzheimer's disease? And to our surprise, there were significantly higher um, risk of developing Alzheimer's disease, almost 50 to 60% in these populations. So, so that really led to our question about, well, what about cataract? And if we were to intervene um, and improve the cataract by doing cataract surgery, does that have any impact on future development of dementia? That's, that, that's an amazing link and an, an amazing way to kind of progress your research. So uh, what did you find? 
So we found that uh, based on a record of over 3,000 participants, we found that uh, people of similar caliber of health, um, people who underwent cataract surgery were approximately 30% less likely to develop dementia compared to the people who did not undergo cataract surgery. And we found similar risk for Alzheimer's disease development as well. Yeah, those are incredibly interesting findings. 30%, 30% reduction in, in the uh, risk of dementia. I assume that you corrected for a lot of confounders. I mean, I've read your article, and of course, there may be people who may question certain things. So how did you account for certain biases and uh, the different confounders that you addressed in your study? Yeah, so um, uh, if I am being quite honest, I think I was also uh, questioning whether the results were too good to be true. And then so actually we did a lot of secondary analysis to kind of prove it wrong and to, uh, uh, to find a potentially different results. And so, um, and I agree with the concerns that especially in a setting like this, that this is an observational study using the electronic medical records data um, and then just the uh, research study population, mm -hmm. uh, unlike RCT, um, there's a concern about, well, maybe people who were able to have cataract surgery were just healthier at baseline so that they could afford to have a cataract surgery um, as opposed to people who didn't. So the uh, first bias that we were concerned about was the healthy patient bias so that we control for many, many confounders that could explain why somebody might have been sicker or why somebody would not be, would not uh, likely to pursue cataract surgery. So not only did we control for all the past medical um, history, such as um, hypertension, um, diabetes, or history that they had a stroke, et cetera, but also we control for um, how much uh, were they likely to exercise per week? Did they ever report any um, trouble with the activities of daily life? Um, and then even um, what is their attitude or what is the, their health utilization records um, like? Uh, for instance, you know, are you likely to have seen your primary care doctor many, many times the year prior to cataract surgery, whatnot? And we found, uh, we were surprised to find that um, we still found about 30% um, reduced association. And I know you might um, ask about this glaucoma surgery issue because that was mm -hmm. another control uh, that we used. Um, so again, even though we were able to control for all the confounders, we still weren't sure whether this was true or not. So wow. then we asked, well, you know, it could be that uh, people uh, who have who are able to afford to have outpatient cataract surgery and some eye surgery, uh, they could be different. So then we picked the glaucoma surgery as a potential sensitivity or control um, mm -hmm. uh, condition, since we know that glaucoma surgery is an outpatient surgery, such as uh, just like cataract surgery. But then the purpose of glaucoma surgery uh, is not really to improve per se, uh, it's really to stop the progression of the glaucoma um, and it 
really shouldn't uh, shouldn't improve the visual function and whatnot after the surgery. Um, and when we looked at whether the glaucoma surgery was associated with increased or uh, lower risk of developing dementia, we found no association. So that kind of gave us more reassurance that the result that we found are likely more specific to cataract surgery rather than mm-hmm. the fact that somebody was healthy enough to undergo any type of intraocular surgery. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Thank you. That's so interesting, Dr. Lee, and um, such a such a significant number. Um, I think it will have all of us thinking about this when we see our patients and deciding on when to book them. Um, what do you, I'm sure you've thought about this a lot since you've published it. Um, what, what do you guys think are some of the potential mechanisms that might contribute to this association? I think um, the, uh, the obvious mechanism that everybody will agree on uh, and our patients agree on is that uh, their vision and visual function likely improves dramatically after cataract surgery so that uh, once your vision is better, uh, then they're more likely to go out more, become more social, more engaged with the world. Um, and so uh, so less depression, more exercise, uh, more engaging socially. And those risk factors have always uh, have already been shown to be protective against dementia development. I think another hypothesis, um, again, you know, better vision, better visual stimuli that translates into better brain stimuli, better neuronal connections, um, so healthier brain and therefore less dementia. I think the last hypothesis uh, might be uh, even something that I'm very interested in and um, is based on, uh, I'm sure many of us have um, talked to patients who come in the day after cataract surgery and they say, my, you know, the world is so much bluer. Um, they, they recognize that this yellow tint has been lifted and then things just look a lot bluer than usual or than what they are used to. And so it's the potential role of um, the intrinsically photosensitive uh, retinal ganglion cell or IPRGC. Um, IPRGC cells, as you know, uh, they are... Um, and um, they have an important role in regulating our sleep cycle, circadian rhythm, and also has been associated with cognitive function um, and then uh, cognitive function. So we thought that because of this um, blue light being so, um, well, um, may take that back, because of this yellow tint of the, of the uh, cataract is so good at blocking blue light. And then once we take the cataracts, once we take the cataract out, then we have a lot more blue light coming in and maybe those IPRGC cells are uh, more stimulated and therefore uh, they could be playing another role in terms of dementia development. So those are all hypotheses. Obviously our study was not meant to uh, study any causations and whatnot. So, uh, but I think it'll be really important for us to do further study so that we can understand better the mechanisms. Yeah. And that brings me to my next question. What are you working on? Like, what are you working on now? What is the next step in, um, you know, bringing about some clarity about where this comes from and, and how we can target patients at the right time before they start going into that tunnel of dementia? You know, um, 
I'm sure you're working on some new ideas and how to test some of these hypotheses. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So I think um, until we really know the mechanisms, it would be really hard you know, when to recommend cataract surgery, the optimal cataract surgery time, other than the fact that when the ophthalmologists have already recommended cataract surgery, then, you know, it probably won't hurt to go ahead and get that done. Um, and um, so that's one. Um, number two, yes, we are very interested in the mechanistic part. Um, and then also what else uh, we can take advantage of to have better um, understanding, such as uh, taking advantage of uh, uh, state-of-the-art eye imaging. Um, so we have such beautiful technology now uh, to be able to do non-invasive retinal imaging uh, with OCT, OCTA. And I think there are a lot of hidden information there that we just have not been able to realize. So I think this uh, marriage between the big data and AI or machine learning, um, having this kind of this like spark in our ophthalmology field, just because we have such a large um, uh, access to big data and also retinal imaging. So I think uh, as the research progresses, uh, that involves both big data and machine learning approaches. Um, I am hopeful that it will really provide us novel insights in terms of um, novel connection between features and features that are associated with cognitive function. Not only that, but then um, potentially um, other, um, other ideas on what the mechanism might be that could explain the connection between the eyes and the brain. Icon wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes. Hi, I'm Dr. Claire Chan. I'm an assistant professor of ophthalmology at the University of Toronto and I listen to the ICANN podcast. Dr. Lee, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. And um, we have the science, we have an, an, an amazing study that you did. And I'm sort of just thinking, well, in a system like ours here in Canada, compared to a system like yours in the States, and there's different um, variations on the theme, I guess, even on both sides of the border, um, we're constantly fighting for surgical time. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen studies that reflect that cataract surgery reduces the risk of, of hip fractures and other issues, depression as well. Um, and so with the backlog that we currently have in Canada and, uh, and the way the resources are, are almost counted, um, do you see any impact on the way we prioritize procedures? Perhaps you're more familiar, obviously, with the way in the States, but have you um, considered how this would impact places with a different uh, healthcare system, such as ours, or such as the more socialized or mixed uh, uh, hybrid systems? That's a great question. And I would love it if we could see the difference. <laughs> and again, I think 
uh, you know, we would still need some validation studies and, you know, hopefully um, replication in other um, cohorts. And I would love that if, um, you know, we can take advantage of um, clinical data from other countries such as Canada or even UK. Um, and um, so that's one. And second, yes, I mean, we would love to see whether this finding really translates into difference in the practice. Um, I know a recent paper from uh, Emily Chu's group from NEI has also shown that cataract surgery is not associated with worsening AMD. I know at some point that was um, you know, definitely concerning. So I think there are more and more papers coming out uh, regarding the potential benefits of cataract surgery. And as you mentioned, you know, the benefits of other, um, uh, other systems such as, you know, low reduced um, hip fracture rate or um, depression, those are all critical. So I would love to be part of this, um, this potential change. <laughs> I'm not sure what um, we can all do with, as ophthalmologists, but I think um, I agree with you, uh, you know, try to take better care of our patients, and then also um, try to deliver the care at the optimal rate is, uh, is critical. It's huge advocacy, I think, for them if we look yes. down the line. Well, Dr. Lee, I think this is groundbreaking. Um, I, I look forward to seeing what future studies um, teach us about where what the mechanisms are and how we can help our patients at the right time um, based on your publication. Uh, before we let you go, we would love to ask you some other questions in a different domain. Um, we, we like to ask our guests what they do in their downtime, if there's any favorite books or podcasts that you listen to or anything else you'd like to share with our audience. Thank you. So uh, we have a soon-to-be four-year-old daughter um, who, um, well, she's a Valentine's Day baby, so she's turning four on Monday. Um, and I would say she's a monster. So <laughs> she really takes over our household and, you know, whatever I, <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> um, and I don't That's know. Great. So um, uh, I, I lead a lab, a competition ophthalmology lab with my husband, who is also an ophthalmologist. Um, he's a retina surgeon and he does the AI uh, work. Um, so there is a lot of talk, a lot of, you know, dinner conversations are a lot in ophthalmology and research, but ever since our daughter came out or came into <laughs> our <laughs> family, yeah, she has been the source of, um, <laughs> source of our life. <laughs> and then great. we also have a 16 year old uh, Shih Tzu mixed dog oh, um, cool. who is bilaterally blind. Mm. Um, so he's an interesting character as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not from cataracts, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> so one is from cataract and then one <laughs> is from total retinal detachment. Oh, okay. um, and Yes, so we tried to actually sign him up for cataract surgery, and then we found out that um, he has large murmur, and then they oh. asked <laughs> that he needs an echo and needs to be medically cleared, and you know all the things oh. that we asked, um, and <laughs> we just decided, 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe he, he needs a cat scan. <laughs> 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 but he's not demented. He's pretty yeah. sharp. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's great. Thank you very much, Dr. Lee. It was such a pleasure to have you on our podcast, and we look forward to seeing more from you and your lab. It was an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. ICANN wants to know what you think. Please send your comments on today's episode or any suggestions you may have for topics or features to communications at cos-sco.ca and we'll try to incorporate them into future episodes. The ICANN podcast has been made possible by support from MD Financial Management and Scotiabank, proud financial partners of the Canadian Ophthalmological Society and Canada's ophthalmologists. Thank you to the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. The ICANN podcast is written and directed by Kim Teitler and produced by John Allaire from Allaire Strategic Works.